and felicitations. You're listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Yes, I know you're probably thinking this is the Chairland Chronicles, but I have morphed into something else now because based on some of my listeners' requests, I, I think it was time for a change. The show needed to change a format, uh, just kind of the way I do things. Try to get better at it. I think that's the only thing I can. And then I came up, I was struggling with a title and as I'm sitting here on Zero Dark Thirty, sipping on my coffee, it came to me. I heard it through The Grapevine by Marvin Gaye. And why not? This is The Grapevine. I'm going to pass on some information that you might be inclined to learn about, whether it be my physical well-being, whether it be current political events or just what's going on in the world. And right now, there's a lot going on in the world. So, I ask you to continue this journey with me and uh, listen to what I say. Well, you don't have to follow what I say. I'm just saying, just give a listen. Open your mind. Let it flow downstream to a different realm of consciousness. And then we'll see what happens. It's a journey. It's a journey where both of us are learning as we go along because we have to learn new things, new ideas, ideas, new ways of thinking. So, settle down in a nice quiet corner of your room, turn off the lights, and just be in a disembodied voice talking to you in the dark. Sometimes ideas, the best ideas are formed in the dark, and sometimes your best ideas are never formed alone. So, as I said, sit back, turn off the lights, and just chill. And let's go on this ride together. These are, this is the grapevine. I am Ben Hur, and let's ride. We'll be right back. as always it's zero dark 30 sitting here with you in the dark hopefully and today we're going to cover a very somber and a very disturbing topic for some today is September the 11th 2023 
has been 22 years on this day when 19 terrorists took and commandeered three aircraft and to the horror of many, to the horror of millions around the world, the small band of men with evil, with malice in their minds, took those three planes, actually four, now that I think about it, flew two, one into each of the World Trade Center buildings, flew another one into the Pentagon, the fourth, do the actions of the passengers recommandeer the plane, but it was too late by then. The terrorists had already managed to drive it into the ground, and it crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I'm talking about the massacre of 9-11. Over 2,000 people died in that attack on the on the Twin Towers, hundreds more at the Pentagon, and unfortunately the only ones who lost their lives in the fourth plane was the passengers and crew, but they committed one heroic act by taking the plane back. But unfortunately, as I said, it was too late. It would be just a few short hours that the terrorist Osama bin Laden would take credit for the attack. <clears throat> it was a one time I remember in my life. And in the course of my life, I've lived through many events. The landing of man on the moon, the Vietnam War, the assassination of a president. And then this, I remember it clear as day. I had just woken up and I woke up to the radio blaring out that one of the towers in New York City had been attacked. I remember turning on my television just in time to see the second plane crash into the other tower. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on live television, a plane being flown into the twin, one of the twin towers. And <clears throat> now for the next six hours, I was glued to the television watching the two towers burn and cry out in pain as it seemed as the people inside, many who had their wits about them tried to escape those up in the floors above would find it very difficult to escape, and many people who could who figured it was the end simply leapt out of their windows and plunged the 2,000 feet to their deaths. We were in shock. We couldn't believe what we were seeing or hearing. 
to this day it still takes a toll. I was watching a YouTube uh, short documentary short about the Twin Towers and about the crashes and I started to cry. My control of me started to weep. It still has that much of an effect on me. I was much older already, but many men seeing what had happened, joined with no questions asked, pulled into the United States military force, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, just like their forefathers did, joined Pearl Harbor. Now let's talk about that for a minute. December 7th, 1941, the Imperial Japanese Empire attacked Pearl Harbor because we were the only power that could bring something to bear against Japan as she went on a global conquest for control of all the Asian countries. Now, on December the 8th, President Walter Roosevelt declared war along with the Congress against the Empire of Japan to set things on the footing of World War II. That would be that would mark our entry into the Second World War. The following day, Germany would declare war against the United States, and then it was on. Well, on September the 11th, 2001. Osama bin Laden struck a blow against the United States for the jihad that was ensuing. Little did they know, much like Japan had known, they awoke a sleeping giant and filled it with a terrible resolve. So as men and women flooded the recruitment offices to join the force to fight for their country, I had already done my time, and I was too old already by that time to go back in. But many would go and join the fight against the terrorists. We would quickly discover that there were 19 of them, and they had commandeered four flights. And then we slowly learned that this was a small part of a larger operation. There were supposed to be many more terrorists commandeering many more planes. The targets were not only the World Trade Centers, the Pentagon, but many other places, the United States Capitol, the Sears Tower in Chicago, the Transamerica Building in San Francisco, Somehow, some way, their operation didn't come to, to fruition. But it came to fruition enough to do the damage that it did, the damage to the psyche of the United States people. The people that died that day in the World Trade Centers and their eventual collapse were a microcosm of people on the earth. It took Jew, it took Gentile, it took Muslim, to 
they took blacks, they took whites, they took Asians, they took everybody. Death has no pick of who it was. It just takes all any way that it can. So <clears throat> the war began. We started sending more and more troops into Iraq because we were already at war there. And began to take revenge for 9-11. This along with the day that would live in infamy, December 7th, would be carved literally into our hearts to seek out and destroy the cause of this. And we did. We did. They know the name United States of America because they blackened our eye and we burned their hearts out. Don't get me wrong, it still exists. It's, the, the terrorists still exist, but not in the numbers they did before. And they're plotting for another major attack on the infidel, the United States. And we need to be ready for them. They are not all evil people. Many of them are hard work and they just want to go to have a good life. So all we can do is unite, be Americans, and root out this evil and destroy it. But something like this, something that's an ideal, it's hard to destroy because it's an ideal. It's a belief. It's almost a religion. Got all about my coffee, and now it's cold. All right, no problem. We move on, right? Well, today we honor those brave souls who commandeer the plane to try to save the lives of the passengers and the lives of the other three airliners and their passengers as they crashed into their targets in the World Trade Centers who were just there for a normal day's work, just another day, and it would be their last, which is why I tell you what I tell you. Their world, their lives ended that day amid a blinding flash of heat and fire, and then the collapse of the buildings. They, uh, They gave their lives unwittingly for their countries and their beliefs. And we owe them that much to remember them, to honor them on this day. So if you remember, stop and say a little prayer, not only for yourself, but for them, for all. You're listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around, we'll be right back.
You're listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And of course, as always, it's here, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, it was a pretty rough night for me. I don't know what happened. I ate something that did not agree with me at all. Uh, I was sick most of the day yesterday. And then come nighttime when it was time to go to go Memers. That's when it hits. I was up until two, 12, thereabouts, when uh, the last wave left, and I actually managed to sleep for about three, two and a half hours or so. I'm pretty tired. I'm not eating anything. I think I'm just going to have coffee and uh, which, I'm, which is what I'm doing. Uh, here's a pull on my coffee. Uh, and uh, see how that works. Sit here for, you know, half an hour or so. See how things go. I really do need to go to clinic today. Uh, because I missed clinic on Monday. No, 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 no. Let me explain to you. I thought September had gotten off to a pretty good start. I was making all my treatments. And then come Friday, on the 8th, my tech tells me that she's not going to be there on Monday. She's going to Dallas to see her aunt or taking her her cousin. And they're going to go visit the aunt. The aunt's, I don't think she's, I think the aunt's sick. She's not going to be around much longer, so... She decided to go and see her, but uh, she was going to make the drive back Sunday night, and it was going to be pretty fried. Didn't want to come in like that on Monday, so she took the day off. Cool, it's cool. I mean, it happens. She prepared me. She warned me. That's that's okay. So then there's another tech, Claudia, that I looked her directly in the eye and said, I want you on Monday. And she looked at me and she nodded yes that okay she was going to take me I said okay everything's settled so I went home that weekend and did my weekend thing and um, went up on Monday September the 11th and uh, went about my business I arrived at the clinic and they called everybody and I was sitting out there and they finally called me and there's Claudia, and there's the nurse, the floor nurse, Justine. And I said, okay, you got me, right? I'm looking right at her. Claudia looks at the, and Justine. They Justine looks back at her, and, all, and the eyes are just shifting back and forth. So I start playing the game. And then they tell me that somebody has me. And I said, well, wait a minute. I made an agreement that it was going to be Claudia. You told me you were going to take me. She goes, well, I'll stick you, but you're going to be with Katie. And I said, who the hell is Katie? She's a new girl. She's a floater. I said, Katie doesn't know me. 
I said, you do. I said, Justine's not, I mean, uh, Bree's not here, so what's the deal? So again, they start playing this game of looking back and forth at each other. So I said, no, 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 no. So we had an agreement on Friday that you uh, do take care of this. And now you all are reneging. And I don't play that. I said, you know what? I will be back on Wednesday. Like, and then they start begging me, no, no, let us get you in. We'll, we'll, I'll stick you, I'll stick you. No, 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 no. That was the deal. It was supposed to, it was already arranged. And now you're changing the, the nature of the deal. And I don't play that. So I'll be back on Wednesday with Breeze here. And so I left. I came back home, went to bed for a few hours, and then uh, went about my business. And here we are Wednesday already. And uh, I, once again, you, you heard me, I'm drinking my coffee. And I'm just seeing how things are down in the lower extremities. I feel some pressure, but that um, yeah, could be anything in my, if you know my, my situation. So that's not the, the what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about was uh, the nature of, of the clinic. Um, it's changing. There. I am the most vocal person when it comes to the patients. I'm not saying that I'm a troublemaker, but I'm a troublemaker. I'm a boat rocker. I'm trying to get these people to understand you don't have to be sheep. These people are, yeah. We put a lot of faith in our medical people. We really do. And in exchange for that faith, we expect the doctors and the nurses to cure us. But I learned this little lesson sometime, a few, uh, not, not, not too long ago, to be honest. Uh, he's a friend named Anthony Torino. Now, he used to run a uh, physical rehab clinic back in the 80s very successful at it very successful and then he started doing something that angered the local community of doctors that he serviced he was sending the patients away fully treated and regaining the majority of the mobility whether it was a knee, a hip, a back, he was getting these people back into life, showing them what they needed to do to be successful in life. And they took his advice and he, they made themselves better. The doctors didn't like that because he was cutting into their business. And they told him in not so many words, and it's something that I keep in mind always, that a patient cured in the eyes of the doctors is a customer lost because they could no longer bill Medicare or the insurance or anybody to continue their treatment, to continue seeing them. They got angry. 
and they ended up bringing him up, bringing him up on charges, forcing him to quit his practice and sending him to prison. He went to prison, federal prison, for eighteen months. Upon his release from prison, his license had been stripped. His uh, wife's family had picked through all of his belongings and his money, and he had nothing. Basically, man started off with nothing, and then he found stand-up comedy, and he was pretty good at it. He was a very, very influential and very, very, I don't know what you would call it. He had, he had, uh, he had uh, a charisma about him. Uh, so anyway, he attacked comedy the way he attacked his other business and it was pretty successful. The whole point is we put a lot of stock in our medical services and when they don't deliver, we get angry, we get upset, we yell, some people take it to the extreme and walk into the doctor's office with a gun and shoot the place up. These are the things that the medical profession do because is it their fault? No. But they learn the game to keep you healthy is not the I'm searching for the word. It's not uh, it's not uh, uh, see I can't I can't even think of the word. It's not conducive to what they do. See, doctors will find something wrong with you. I'm serious. They will always find something wrong with you because there's always going to be an answer in that big book that they have. It's called the PDR, the Physician's, Physician's Desk Reference. That's where the host of symptoms is and a host of, uh, of treatments. Some treatments work, some don't. It all depends on the individual, on whether the individual wants to get well, number one, and number two, wants to make things better. Nine times out of ten, they don't want to do number two. That's no pun intended. Because they're sick and they want to, they want to get well. They, they want to be what they were before. And that's never going to happen, not in every case. So we go, we tell our friends and our family that that doctor's a quack, or this doctor's a quack, and they're a quack, they're a quack, right? So, remember, I've told you this before, I used to have a physician, still do, he's been my primary care for, I want to say five, six years, ever since my last primary care left. And now, I have a whole team of doctors. I have a podiatrist, I have a psychiatrist, I have a nephrologist, I have a, uh, oh, I have an eye doctor, I have a everything kind of doctor, and I have my primary care physician. You would think with all of these doctors, I would be in tip-top, and I mean tip-top shape, but I am not. 
I am held together by spit edges guile to keep going. I'm a sick man. God's honest truth. Uh, I'm trying to get better. But I know that I've been handed a death sentence and it's just a matter of time. And I'm racing against the clock. And there are days when I get tired of racing against the clock. And there are days when I jump into it with both feet. So anyway, getting back to the situation. You will see a whole host of doctors and none of those doctors talks to, to each other about you. That's the job of your primary care physician. But he's not in my dialysis clinic talking to my nephrologist and vice versa. Because neither one has time for that. And meanwhile, I, the patient, sit there waiting for an answer. And you know what? There is none. <clears throat> because whatever you have, nine times out of ten, you get some help from the medications they prescribe you. But it's also your will to live and your will to get better. When somebody whispers in your ear, you will get better. You believe it, and guess what? You do. Because the body's very good at fighting off whatever it is that attacks, except in the case of, say, AIDS or cancer, and even kidney disease. But that's the uh, God's honest truth. So anyway, I'm the most vocal person in my clinic, and I'm starting to rally the troops. People are starting to wake up. Well, but also the people that run the joint have woken up to what I do, and I've become a threat. So we'll see. Once again, it's a matter of time whether I die or whether they get rid of me and send me to a, ship me off to another clinic, which is the norm for a corporation of their magnitude of their size because they don't have time for a boat rocker. They need to move on. And uh, we'll let them, I'll let them in time. You're listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back. listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. Well, it's a another treatment day. I'm not going to miss this one. I have to take this one because I'm starting to fall apart. I'm sitting here, and if you hear that in the background, that is not only Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. We're going to reach down deep in the bag for something a little bit more nostalgic, more classy. And the other thing you hear is thunder. It's rainy. It's a rainy day. What is that? What is what is water that falls from sky? It's rain. It's raining. It hasn't rained in a hundred and plus something days here in San Antonio. So, wherever you're listening from, you probably had days and days of rain if you're on the East Coast. And where are you exactly? 
I'd like to know. You can still reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Hur at TCCINDY1. Sorry about that. That's Ben Hur, the little Epperson, TCCINDY1. Drop me a note. Tell me where you're from. Tell me where you're, you're sitting in the dark listening to me. And uh, have you been constantly rained on if you're in the, on the west, on the east coast? Uh, I tell you, I'm all kind of screwed up right now. I'm sitting here with my dog, faithful dog, Nat. Nat's got the buggers. Nat doesn't like the thunder. Nat doesn't like, uh, I don't know how he feels about the rain, but I know he doesn't like thunder. Creeps him out. He gets all antsy. He wants to be everywhere but nowhere at the same time. You know the feeling. You've had that feeling before, too. So have I. It's just we know what thunder is, and he doesn't. Because he's a, some people would say a dumb dog, but he's, oh, but a matter boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. He gets here and creeps out by the thunder. It's okay. It's okay, but he's right here at my feet. He's clinging to me like with four If he could hug me, he would. All right, that's a good boy. Sit down. Now, I'm here with my coffee and my dog. And uh, we're going to try to do this. It's Friday, so that's the end of the week. And that's the end of the show. Not necessarily this particular moment, but uh, like I said, I've missed two treatments on Monday and on Wednesday. And I definitely have to sit there today and do this. I don't feel 100%. I still feel like I'm sick, but we'll try to push through. And now I've got uh, snot in my nose. Oh, my goodness. This is about the time of the morning that I have to blow my nose, but we're going we're gonna to march on, folks, you and me. Let me get a pull of the coffee. Yes. Oh. My goodness, that's good. Nothing like hot, sweet liquid early in the morning. Anyway, so I missed two treatments. I missed a treatment on Monday because the uh, technician and the nurses reneged on the deal that I had made with a certain tech on Friday. So I left because it makes me angry that they don't know especially the tech standing in front of me and, and we had made that agreement on Monday and now you're reneging and uh, I don't like that. So I left. And so on Wednesday, I wasn't feeling well and I had the runs and I had already gone three times that that morning since I had gotten up and not to mention the the dances I was doing with the toilet all night long because I was sick. So, and there you go. And now here I am Friday, the end of the week. I need to at least get something taken out of me to, I got the jitters. I don't know how to explain it to you, but uh, when I miss a treatment or two, I have these twitches in my hands, my left and my right hand now. My hands just jerk uncontrollably. And it's very inopportune when I'm carrying a cup of coffee or a bowl of cereal or a bowl of something or a bowl of anything or anything in that matter in my hands. It becomes very dangerous. I have to be very, very careful. 
Now, my nurse said it's a function of the fact that my blood is now, it, it's in the process of, of poisoning myself. And that's what, in fact, what I'm doing. Since my kidneys don't work properly, they don't filter the way they should. And so the toxins build up in my body and then they have effects on me. So you've probably seen some of those effects and if you have a loved one that's on dialysis. So these are the things that I have to put up with. I have to live with. Just like Nat is afraid of thunder and lightning, I get all goofy when I don't get treated properly. Now you may say, well, that's your fault. You know what? You're right. You're right. It is my fault for not staying, but I have my convictions. And when you in the clinic cannot deliver the goods that you're supposed to, it irritates me, the patient, or the customer, and I have options. One of my options is to leave, and I will exercise that option. You may sit back and judge that, oh, well, you should know better than that. You need to put yourself in my shoes. See, that's the thing we don't do here in the United States. We rather judge a person and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. But we've never walked a mile in his shoes. Walk a mile in somebody's shoes. Look at the homeless person. Put yourself in their tattered and torn shoes. And you will see that you should be thankful that it's not you. And that it's them because it's not easy. So you should put yourself in the shoes of the person who has cancer or the person who's got who's on dialysis and see what it's like from their point of view. Now the nurses, and I, and I put myself in their shoes, you know, they have a job to do and they have to uh, distribute people equally between the techs. But that tech, if she knew she had made a deal with somebody, she'd pipe up and say what, she, what the deal is and go from there. Now, for some reason, the nurse can't accommodate that, that they need to tell that person, me, the patient, that they can't accommodate me and either need to roll with it or, or leave, which is what my options are, so I exercise them. Because you obviously don't want me there enough to see to it that things get done, things get taken care of in a timely manner. It's like when you are waiting in a hospital room with a loved one and the doctors roll in, spew what they spew. You don't understand what they're talking about. So then when the nurse comes in, you ask her or him and they tell you exactly what the doctor was saying and what he meant, you know. Because you need to have a better understanding of what the doctor's saying, what, why he's there, why you're there. You're sick, there's something wrong with you. But see, we don't pay attention because we want to hear, I'm not going to die. Well, in my case, I might die. But you know what? At this point in time, I would normally say I don't care, but I do because I, I would leave behind somebody very precious to me. She's very important to me in my life. And I want to be here as long as I can with her. 
I really, really do. Because I love her. And uh, I love her family. I love her, our daughter, our granddaughters. And I want to spend as much time as I can with all of them. But with her especially. And much like this thunderstorm, it will roll on. I will go back to clinic. I will get back on track. And I will feel normal again. So there, that's that's the thing. Hold on. Oh, I need more coffee. <clears throat> uh <clears throat> where was it? Oh yeah. So the thing about the thing about all that is that you as an individual have to think about your health, your well being. There are gonna be days where you're gonna not gonna feel well. And sometimes we tell people we don't feel well, sometimes we don't. Because we don't need people knowing our business, right? I don't need nobody knowing my business. <clears throat> we get it like that. <clears throat> it's some would say not a good thing, but it's a defensive thing because we value our privacy. There are two people that I would tell all my troubles to my mom and the love of my life simply because they need to know. My sister, eh, she doesn't, I don't think she really cares. And since I haven't talked to my sister in six months, I think I kind of know she doesn't care. And yeah, it's all right. It doesn't, it's, it's okay. It's a thing and it's not my thing. It's her thing. So, you know, I'll leave that at be and, uh, and go on with my life. Don't get me wrong, I love my sister. I do, but she does things that irritate the living shit out of me. My mom, too. But there's nothing we can do about it, right? I guess not. You can't worry about things like that because people are people. They got to figure their shit out on their own. Got to get back on track and back on a point with themselves, first and foremost. And then the rest of the world will fall in place. Well, it should fall in place. It doesn't always do that, but, you know, karma's a weird thing. Oh, I also have a twitch in my legs. I notice that when I'm standing, sometimes my knees will just drop out and then they'll come back. It's just like a, kind of a random thing because I just felt my legs switch just now. So I'm falling apart, friends and neighbors, and I got to tend to these things. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <clears throat> but for right now, you're talking to a dead man. And <clears throat> you are listening to The Great Vine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We're almost done. We'll be right back. A taste of honey. Tasting much sweeter than I dream of your first kiss And then I feel upon my lips again 
A taste of honey. A taste of honey. And we're back. You're listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. We're almost, you almost got this. Sitting here at Zero Dark Thirty with the old dog, Nat. He's freaking out because there's a thunder rolling overhead. I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but you can hear the Beatles. And that is the Beatles doing their cover of A Taste of Honey. Earlier, you heard the musical version by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass because Herb Alpert never sang. There was one song, though, that I think from his repertoire that he does sing. I can't remember to save my life what the name of it is, but I do know there's one that has vocals. So uh, I think I'm going to kind of start doing that. I'm going to start playing songs through the years, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, that were recovered by different bands. And uh, there are some goodies, and there are some that you should... They should never have been recorded in the first place, but eh, we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about uh, uh, what's going on here in the world. Well, our illustrious leader, Joe Biden, took a trip overseas and stirred up a lot of controversy because he went overseas right at the time of the uh, uh, 9-11 uh, uh, day. 9-11, for those of you who've been living under a rock, is a day when we suffered our first terrorist, major terrorist attack in the United States. 19 terrorists commandeered a total of four planes with each with a specific target. One each in each one of the Twin Towers, one in the Pentagon, and one in the Capitol. They were going to take out the Congress. That was the idea. Their plans unraveled as the planes flew because uh, the first three planes struck their targets, the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. The fourth tar- The fourth plane never reached his target because the passengers stood up to their captors, come recoming to the plane, but in the process the terrorists had already put the plane in a nosedive and the plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. And for this we honor all those lives lost on that day. Nearly three thousand people, three hundred and fifty firefighters and police that went into the towers to get people out and stayed until the bitter end, until it took their lives. So anyway, the president was overseas that day when he should have, when many think he should have been here. Then Lanny Reese in New York or in Pennsylvania, he sent the vice president instead. Yeah, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a, a, a crowd drawer. So the president here for, wasn't here for one of our most important observances of the year. He chose to go to Vietnam and then North well, did he go to North Korea? No, he went to Vietnam, South Korea. I think he went to Japan. It was it was the Asian tour. So everybody was kind of upset about that. And again, it's Joe Biden, so it wasn't that big a loss. We didn't they got Kamala, which is, you know, a close second. 
if you could say. So anyway, he did show up for that. But yesterday, they indicted his son, Hunter, for gun charges that purchasing a gun when he was a drug addict for lying on the 4473 form. But specifically, the area of the of the uh, permit that says, you know, are you on drugs? Are you in rehab? He said, no, no, and no. And he got caught. Now, he lied on a federal form. If he's convicted, he could get up to 10 years, and they some say 25. But, of course, his father will pardon him if that happens, and that will cause the biggest, biggest brouhaha ever that a sitting president pardons his son from all the charges that were incurred against him. So he's free to go and do drugs again, buy all the guns he wants. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. If you haven't heard this now, like I said, you've been living under a rock. Uh, Oh, yeah, this is the bigger piece of news. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, has authorized uh, the Congress to vote on whether or not to start an impeachment inquiry. Now, this is not an impeachment in itself. It's just the inquiry to initiate an impeachment proceedings. They're finally going to do to him what they did to, to Trump. Now, all of Trump's charges were trumped up, to put it mildly. And uh, so... He beat those two reps. They didn't. They could not. They didn't have enough evidence. Now with Joe, they got evidence coming out the Wazoo. Yes, I said that the Wazoo. You you know what your Wazoo is. So anyway, he got evidence. And what's the evidence? Oh, bribery, accepting a bribe to change foreign policy to accommodate the the business that his son was in in the Ukraine. Oh, the Ukraine raises its ugly head again. That's amazing, right? Now, I don't do it, and I'm trying not to make this sound, well, you know, you just don't like Biden. I don't. I don't. He, I heard him deliver a speech yesterday where he said he was, he was, he inherited an economy that was in the shambles, that was on its way down. And it's farther from the truth. When he inherited the the economy from Trump, we had low record low inflation, record low job loss, more people employed, considering we were we're in the middle of a pandemic. And then Joe turns around and says, He didn't do this, he didn't do that, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's BS Joe. You know it is. We all know it is. And you're the one that screwed everything up. In two years, you've driven the economy down. You've driven inflation up. We're on the verge of uh, a major, major uh, strike by the United Auto Workers. You're talking about 300,000 to almost half a million people that are going to strike. The reason they're striking, and this is the part I I really can't agree with, and they want a 46% wage increase. Plus, they want a four-day work week. They only want to work 32 hours a week. And now there's a reason for that. 
the reason is that uh, electric cars don't take that long to build. So what they're saying is that they can build the same number of electric cars as they would a gas-powered car because they require less components. And, and uh, uh, I just had a weird thought. I'll, I'll share the thought with you. Let me get back to the electric cars. The majority of the parts for like the electric cars, I'm talking about the batteries and all that are made in China. There isn't no a major company that does that manufacturing here because we don't have the raw materials because China's sucking them all up from all over the world. Cobalt, zinc, copper, you name it, they're buying it up, they're scooping it up left and right so they can produce the batteries in China and have a, a bolster to bolster their economy. So these are the kind of the things that we're trying to deal with now. Maybe if somebody's listening to this podcast, I don't know why, in 20 years, things may have changed. We may be at an all-out war. Or you may be sitting there in the afterglow, literally the afterglow of a nuclear disaster. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. All I'm telling you is what's going on. You have to decide what you want to do with it. Right, boy. He's a good boy. He's looking at me like, make it stop, man. Make it stop. I want to go back to sleep. Well, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. Then I'm going to check the radar weather just to see where we're at so he can go back. So he can sleep for a couple hours. I'm pretty sure this thunder's been going on longer than I when I first got up. I heard the rumblings of it. Now it's really like speck right on top of the house. But you know what? If it comes with rain, we'll wake, we'll welcome it. And then I just the thought I just had was that the thunders and light is going to be so severe that it's going to knock the lights out at, at the treatment center, and they can't do dialysis today. And then I will really fall apart if that happens because they'll they'll, they'll send you to another clinic, you know, and then you got to go, you got to drive over there, and now you're the clock's ticking, tick tick tick. And uh, you're not getting treated. And then when you get there, they, they have no idea. You know, oh, they're sending us all their patients, and blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't have any lights. So deal with it. <clears throat> yeah, you can hear that, can't you? Because I can see it reverberating on my, uh, on my phone, on the little chart. <clears throat> yeah, that's, not, that's thunder, baby. That's thunder. Revel in it. Right, boy. Yeah. He's sitting at my feet, staring at me like, man, make it stop, man. Aren't you a god? No, bud, I'm not a god. Can't do that. I fulfill that. I get your treat. He knows that. He looks just at me like, what a treat? Oh, hell yeah. I don't have any. And it was just a figure of speech that kind of calmed me down. He's, he's chilling out a little bit. He's starting to come under... A little bit better control because I think he knows it's it's receding, it's going, it's in the distance. But every now and then, like there, there's a big one that he's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna die! I'm gonna die, man! Come on, let's go dig a hole! I need to bury myself." 
Well, that's the deal. That's kind of what's going on in a nutshell. Uh, the war in the Ukraine still goes on. The Chinese are still contemplating taking over Taiwan. And we're not going to do much. We're not in a position of strength. China's much stronger than us. You're listening to The Great Line. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back. Listening to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Ben Hur. This is the first episode of the retooled podcast that was the Chairland Chronicles. I'm glad that you sat through the hour with me and uh, listened to the different things that we talked about. And now we go out with The Beatles, The End. Yep, that's the name of the song, The End. Very appropriate to end off this first episode of my podcast. And we will see you next week. I hope we will see most of you next week. I hope we'll see more listeners next week. And uh, I will be watching the analytics to see how it goes. But meanwhile, I am going to go back to what I usually do and say my departure greeting. To live, to laugh, to love. Live your life as if today's your last day on this earth. I'm not saying go nuts, go rob a bank or a convenience store. I'm just saying... Live your life as best you can. Laugh. Laugh. I'm not saying life's a joke. I'm just saying that some pretty funny things happen in the course of your life. And we have to respect all those things. And we look back and we'll laugh at them. I mean, in my case, I see something that happened in my life with my, with my ex or my current love. Well, maybe I'll tell you that story in the next episode of Ruben's Love Life. And we'll drop something in that hat and see what happens. You will also live love. love. <laughs> I forgot where I was. It's treatment. Love everybody on this earth. You may not know them, but you need to offer them love. For not for who they are or what they are, but because they're on this planet with you. Love yourself. You have to learn to love yourself, which is something I didn't know. I'm still learning. You have to love yourself so you can move forward in life, be positive, be good to yourself and to others. So that's that. I will see you on the next episode of The Grapevine. Maybe it's easier to say the grapevine than the Cherland Chronicles, but that's okay. We have to move, we have to evolve, we have to become better human beings, and uh, that's the thing, I guess, right? So, 
as I've stated, I will see you next week here with the faithful dog, Nat, who's still squealing because of the thunder and the lightning. But hey, I revel it because it's thunder and it's lightning, right? It's a good thing for the for the earth, for the environment. Fill in the cracks that are in my yard, I guess, if anything. So, wow, this is the longest ending ever, it seems. So you take care. Stay, Stick around because I want you to be here for the next episode. So you have your marching orders. I will see you on the next episode. Well, you will hear me. You won't see me, of course. But, uh, uh, get in touch with me on Twitter. Ben Hur at TCCINDY1. Drop me a note and uh, we'll go from there. Do you like the grapevine? Do you hate it? Do you think it sucks? Do you think I suck? We move forward. You know what? Do your own podcast if you think you can do better. I challenge you. Go to Anchor Radio, download the, the app, and then they set you up to record your own podcast. They'll let you do intro. Oh, I got to do a new, new intro for this show. I, I still have the old one running. And uh, you you put it out there and let the people decide whether they like you or not. I mean, somebody must like me out there because I went from six listener, went one listener to six, and now I've got 17. Ooh, yeah, that's a magic number for me. I'm shooting for 25, maybe 30, maybe more. That would be nice. So take care. Adios. On behalf of me and the Thunder, Texas Thunder, that was almost the name of the show. I bid you adieu. Adios. Goodbye and good luck until next time. This is the Great Vine signing off.